music because it is a pure form of of a language even in spite of our egos it has a way to transcend and touch and move just like the holy spirit it's 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 part of that energy not only am i attracted to people who make what i think is cool music for the sake of it but there's something else in it there's this spirit of humanity and empathy in it and care and concern for the human spirit the columbus music scene is well first of all i have to say it's it has some of the most talented players i think per capita and that theory is reinforced by musicians who come through town all the time um, there are just some world world-class players who for different reasons have chosen to live here stay here or move here a band that's been able to survive for over 25 years playing on an off night great great crowds every week i mean that's a, you know that doesn't happen in every town it doesn't happen in every big town you know just knowing that you're appealing to people and not just appealing to them but like helping them being on stage and performing and being able to have people enjoy what you do is a privilege So here we are with Columbus's own Tony Monaco. So for everyone out there listening, Tony here is a world-renowned jazz organ player, and he's also a staple of, of the live music scene here in Columbus, Ohio. Tony, so glad to have you on here today. How are you doing, my friend? God bless you, Cam. It's always good to be here. Thank you. So Tony, I want to start this off by talking about your approach to improvising. I feel like in anything, whether whether it's painting, music, sports, it's it's not easy to keep things fresh and to avoid falling into habitual routines and, and like repetitive patterns. And I'd love for you to talk to me kind of how you keep your improvising fresh and unique and, and not just the same old thing. Well, that's a good, very good question. Uh, the first thing is improvising is not a bunch of scales. And so if you look at it as scales, then you're always going to be refined and stuck to what scale do I play next? Improvising is telling a story. And scales is just a piece of how we put the vocabulary together. So my approach to improvising in telling the story is to the first time around, you know, like you some, usually when you're soloing, you go around, you know, we call it going around. What does that mean? It means if, if it's got a form A, A, B, A, let's say, then we got to do two A's and a B, then an A, and that there's a set of chord changes, right? And it keeps repeating over and over again. So if you start out playing scales, by the time you get to the second, what do you play next? So what I usually try to do when I'm improvising to keep it fresh is play new songs. Because when I improvise, the first time I go around, I try to, like, restate the, the melody improvised. So that means I'm just going to be taking parts of the melody, embellishing it with colors around it, so that I start the journey of my story, reminding you where we're coming from. So I take my fans or the listener with me see that's the problem with i think a lot of soloists today 
They want to throw all the complicated stuff they learned at you when you're not ready. Hmm. Like a boxer just unloading on you without even ringing the first bell. So what I try to do is restate the melody in a way that starts to color the ideas. And then the trip starts to take its own, you know, journey. And notice that I haven't talked about techniques yet, you know. I'm just talking about what it is. I think people think that improvise means it's your turn to play a whole bunch of notes. And that's wrong. I can tell a story with one note. Every note put in the right place has a big meaning, you know. So I could sit around and go around and see blues and go. Right? I only needed mm. one note to say all that. The rest of it was happening because I'm an organ player and I could play my own bass and comp. But, you know, if you have a band, they're playing the bass and comp, right? So that was the beginning of the story. And what did I do to you? I left you waiting for what's coming next. A good storyteller knows how to bait the next part, right? So what your decision has to be is, first of all, when you take a solo, you got to take a look around at everybody else that's going to have to take a solo. So if it's one of those kind of songs that's kind of slow and a solo takes a long time to go through, why go around three or four times? Why not just give it once and pass the ball? Sometimes a good solo is just one course. Sometimes it needs more. So I just wanted to preempt that. People uh, sometimes get a little bit narrow-minded and they start to think that it's all about them. And really, when you're telling the story, you're telling the story, but the band is still backing you up. They're the... They're the ones around you that, like, when you say, when you're telling a story and you say, you know, and they're the ones in the back that go, uh-huh, it happened. Yeah, that's true. You know those people? Like, a story's better when you got witnesses, right, that <laughs> saw it. You know, you should have seen that lady come out of the store. She dropped her whole bag of crap. Oh, it was so funny. When everybody started dying, the oranges were rolling down the road. That's a solo. We have to put it in musical terms to state some kind of whatever it is that we see. An early soloist is going to be concentrating on playing scales or playing keynotes because that's the depth of their ability to tell the story. But as they start to get comfortable, they start to learn other things and start to develop their personality. You know, mm -hmm. so I definitely have my personalities in my solos, you know, definitely. <laughs> yeah. The next thing I want to talk about, I'm, I'm really curious to hear from you, like Columbus, how, how you think over the decades, the Columbus music scene ha has changed, has evolved and kind of what it used to be and how, how it might be different now. Wow. Wow. Well, gosh, man. I don't think it's just Columbus, but mm -hmm. since we're talking about Columbus, I'm sure this has happened in every uh, every major place where jazz. 
I'm going to only speak about improvised music, and I call that jazz. Uh, it doesn't have to be swing or, you know, jazz is freedom of speech. That's what jazz is. Mm. Improvising is freedom of speech. The Columbus scene was one of the main Chitlin circuit stops. So, you know, as these as jazz was being birthed and coming out of the East Coast, most of it came out of Philadelphia, New York, that whole area was a hotbed at the beginning of the jazz thing. As it moved and guys started getting gigs, right? Some of the stops were Pittsburgh, Columbus, Cleveland, Detroit, natural natural break spots, right? So Columbus happened to be one of the main places that people would come from the East Coast, coming down from Pittsburgh. They'd go to either Columbus or Cleveland next. Cincinnati a little bit more rare, I think, because I think it was more north, I think. Because the development of jazz music in Columbus is great, right? You have, when you think about uh, players of the jazz industry, that came before us. You know, you talk about Roshan Roland Kirk, the guy that played several horns at one time. He was from Columbus. Nancy Wilson, you might as well say she was from Columbus. I think she was from some nearby city, but she she worked in Columbus. She learned along with Hank Marr, along with Rusty Bryant. So you've probably heard those names before. Those were like the early stars that put Columbus on the map. A lot of people don't know the name Don Patterson. Don Patterson was another organ player. So it's funny how Columbus keeps popping out organ players too. I don't know what the what's the deal about that. You know, it just happens to be a city that likes it maybe, that embraced it, that accepted it. The music that came out of Columbus uh, became, that's why they talk about the music being you know, as good as it is or why we, we continually produce really nice uh, improvised players um, is because of that. And where is it going? I, gosh, I don't think anybody knows where music's going. It's in a different place, we must say, because the problem is, you know, having a distribution network that you can rely on is good, and it's bad. It's good because of you have to reach a certain mark to get in, right? Whatever that mark be. Mm -hmm. But then once you get in, you got something behind you, you know. But if you don't get in today, you just scream how loud you're the best on social media to do it. So... I don't know what the future of music is going to be because the ability to make money has been taken away by the standard ways. Hmm. So I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not concerned about the talent that's going to come in the future. I'm concerned about the collective ability to make stellar bands. The days to produce a band that plays together enough so much that they become so tight earth wind and fire you know like 
when you listen to the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire, what band today can come close to that? I don't know of any. I don't Mm. know of any. Because everything is like produced in a studio with, you know, digital sounds. And because the standard tradition of distribution and royalty is gone, what's that going to do to motivate future musicians? You know, that's what I'm worried about. So I'm not only worried about Columbus, there's always going to be great musicians. Your chances of becoming a better musician today are so much greater because there's all that free stuff you can go watch. What Tony, I, I, like? I want to jump to the side a little bit. You bring up like digitized sounds. Mm. And, and I want to kind of ask you a two-part question. Mm. The, the part one is, is when you're talking about an organ and, and a Leslie amp and the way um, it has a certain effect shooting the actual sound waves into the air mm. versus um, what an effect that creates that sound, like the difference between the organic Leslie sound and then the digital uh, Leslie sound. How do you think the the digital versus the organic leads to a different effect in the mind of the listener and and then part part two is like what do you think it is about music that that can cause for it to like heal people oh my that's a deep question right there okay Uh, i I, and i can go there i've been messing around with this thing for 55 years i do believe that music is one of the languages of God. I, I just do. I, I've, I've witnessed it in this way. You just never know at the end of the performance. You just never know. And I've had it happen to me more than once. And the, the profound things that these people say is what makes me wonder about this. Is they all say to me, Man, I don't know if you knew, but you helped me tonight. I don't know if you know, but you saved my life tonight. There are these kind of things that people tell you about what you did. And the thing is, you don't even know when it happened and how it happened. So I think music, because it is a pure form of, of a language, even in spite of our egos, in spite of our egos, it has a way to transcend and touch and move just like the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's part of that energy. And I've witnessed it to the point where I've had people like crying at the end of the show. So why do I think music is the language of God? Because, you know, when we're in the middle of a solo and we're really playing what we want to play, we're not even in the music anymore. The music is just what we're doing. But the music that's coming out is coming from another place. I don't know how to explain it. It's an out-of-body experience, and I'll bet you you've heard this before. It's mm. kind of an out-of-body experience, you know. Because you never know when you take a solo whether it's really going to be that good or bad. But music is perfect within its imperfections because it's pure, you know? Music doesn't have an intention or motivation. It's just a sound, you know? But they say that it's the language of God, and I believe it. 
uh, because music to me represents something you'll probably hear most musicians say represents love. Well, what is God, you know? Love. So that's the way I think about it, you know. So dive in a little deeper down that rabbit hole. You know, How can you best be the conduit for this kind of experience as a musician? Uh, be in the moment. Because God speaks in the moment. So when you're playing music and you're thinking about other things, you're not there. So thinking about problems at home or you're thinking about people you got to call, there's no way you can completely surrender to the will of the music at the moment. So what I try to do when I play music is I just try to sit down and lock with the drummer because then I got one focus. I'm not thinking about tomorrow or yesterday, or what I just came from or what I got to go do later. I'm just thinking about what's he dealing with or she. What are they dealing right now? And stay in the moment. And what happens is that's where it happens. That's when you forget about what you're doing because you're locked in with your your community, your band, and the audience. Mm -hmm. You know, the audience fuels spirituality too. Tremendously. Like, you know, like there's like gigs where you wonder sometimes whether – you're really with human beings or not because it's so cold and sterile and you feel like, oh, God, I can't wait till this one's over. And those are the nights someone might come up to you and say that. I don't understand, you know. How about this? How about you think you, your solo was so great and you go to listen to it and it sucked? Or how about this one? You thought your solo sucked so bad and you go to listen to it and everybody's raving about it. I don't understand. All I can do is show up in the moment, be my best. That's what I got to do. And stay in there. Stay in the moment. If I'm playing this song, I got to be thinking about this song. You know. So. Tony, zooming out, if you, could, if you could go back and give Tony Monaco in his 20s some, some advice from yourself now, what might you say? Boy, that's a profound question. <laughs> Jesus. I would say stay true to what you loved because I, I was still too busy people-pleasing rather than doing what I loved. Musically, I did what I thought you loved. Mm. I think as youngsters, we try to please. And if I could have been a little bit more free to write and express what I really loved, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I would have done some other things. I, I'm not sure, you know, God's will is weird, right? How do you know, you know, I'll tell you what I would tell that young person. I would probably tell him is you don't think you're not as great as you think you are. I definitely tell him that because I think, you know, we were a little, you, you got to be that way. Anyhow, you know, like you got to be a little bit cocky about, you know, for you to have the energy to push forward in this kind of stuff. But you got to be careful the balance you know, of, of humility. You know? So I think, you know, I think sometimes, you know, like some people didn't want to play with certain people because of that, you know, like I don't want to play with that person. That person, you know, plays too loud all the time or takes too long solos all the time. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Mm -hmm. Looking back at, at your career, at, at your accomplishments, like, everything you've gotten to do and, and everything you've been through. What have you learned about what brings you the most true fulfillment? 
actually for me it's when I play the cleanest I can play now I like I I have like these uh, goals when I play of getting rid of all of the stuff that doesn't need to be there see like at the beginning you're trying to figure out how much to throw in throw in throw in throw in but when you play the organ and there's a lot of stuff going on the if you can remove some of the clatter then it gets real clean and concise and clear so my my ultimate goals are always to lock my left hand with the drummer because that's what really drives the band if i got you know i'm playing with somebody like reggie jackson or willie or louie man these guys are great drummers right or tony tony mcclung man he's another league another guy another what i consider a lifer he's still trying to figure it out like me you know we're still trying to learn more that's why i teach by the way so for me the ultimate is when i play those gigs where i didn't play a bunch of useless stuff i played everything you know that i wanted to play that i didn't lose my cool just to show off you know because you know music is a show business thing you know there's a balance between trying to not show off and be your best i guess and that's what we get our chance to do for our whole life is keep balancing that ego and self and how we fit with the band. So the ultimate today is that I show up and everybody's happy at the end of the night, right? Tony, man, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Tony Monaco. Thanks man. for uh, asking me to interview. I, it's an honor. Thank you. Mm, it's It's been amazing to, to be on the other side of the keys and here in Columbus. Man, I always get a kick when I see you in the audience. You're one of the ones that pulls it out of me. Mm. When I see your smile and I see you getting into it, that's the people I focus on when I'm playing. I'm going to focus on the people that are getting it because they pull it out of me. You know what I mean? Because, you know, we could, if you feel liberated, you're going to talk. <laughs> and as musicians, when we feel liberated, we're going to talk, you know. So thanks for being such a great, you know, fan. Mm. When you come, I always feel like I'm blessed to have you in the audience. So. Much love, Tony. Yeah, man. Same to you and have a great evening, okay? Here we are with Tony McClung. Tony, so glad to have you here. How you doing today? I'm doing great and I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. Glad to be in Columbus here with you. So for everyone out there listening, Tony here, he's He's one of the most badass musicians in Columbus. He's the drummer for Hoodoo Soul Band. He also plays in other bands like Pop Gun and Bird Shack. And yeah, Tony, I think it'd be cool to start this off. You know, you and Hoodoo Soul Band, I feel like you have a really good perspective. I think it'd be cool to hear you talk about what's involved with just being a great leader. Well, if, if we start with Hoodoo Soul Band, I would say there's not a, officially a band leader. And I would say, you know, in Hoodoo, so it's not just me, but Jeff Kayampa also. And we kind of steer that ship. Um, I don't know if I'm a great band leader, although I'm certainly working to be one in various situations. And I think of anything, um, really learned a lot by being a band member most of my life. I mean, I've been, you know, a side musician or a hired gun ever since I was in fourth grade. And so I have a lot of experience playing for other people. And I kind of know from that side of it, 
what motivates me to want to do a good job, what's effective, what's not. It's a funny thing because what I want from a band leader depends on the situation. It depends on who they are and how, not just how good their vision is, but if it's the kind of vision where they have everything mapped out in their head and I want to know exactly what that is, or if it's a situation where I think it'll be better if they give me the, the general outlay of what they want and let me bring what I do to the table before offering their input on that. Because when you hire a musician to come and play your music, you can only get their first impression one time. After you tell them what you want, that's always going to be in their head. Um, so there are some situations where I prefer for a band leader to let me just see what happens naturally. And then they can always say, okay, how about do this instead? But they, they have the extra option of seeing what I would come up with without the bias of what they're already thinking. So I, like I, I try to, to, I try to do that in a lot of situations. I, um, I'm really blessed with Hoodoo and Popgun Bird Shack, Such Sweet Thunder. I play in these bands with musicians who are so fantastic that it's not a situation where I need or want to tell everybody how to play. You know, I want everybody's personality to enter the picture. I'm curious to hear you talk about some of the personality traits you admire most about people you've played with. You know, honestly, trying to be a good person is, is number one. Somebody has to play, um, and what you want, whether you're a band leader or a band member, what you want out of the people you make music with is you want people who are easy to get along with, who when the music starts or when you're discussing the music, there's, there's no ego. There's a, a sense of selflessness, you know, where the only important thing is the music and the band sounding good because it's really, you know, music is about expressing the human condition. And it's kind of hard to do that sometimes if you're working with people who make you uptight or tense and you feel like you can't let your guard down and just play. So I think empathy and trust are mm. the two giant number ones for me. Mm. I love that. Yeah. And, and you mentioned this, this energy of selflessness. Yeah. So, so you're a, a little bit of a seasoned vet here. I, I'm curious, yes, you I'm know, <laughs> as, and that's okay. As you, as you aged like fine wine, uh, I'm curious right. what, what you've learned about how to cultivate that selflessness. And if, if that's something you've improved on over the years and like, oh, if God. so, how? Yeah. Yes, and hopefully I'm still improving at it. Um, well, for starters, unlike 30 years ago, I don't scream at people on stage now. And that's good because I don't want to be screamed at on stage. Um, you know, I if anything, I've learned that it really is about trying to have a, a, a connection, a bond with the people I'm making music with, even if it's somebody I've never met, it, like if somebody sits in on a gig of mine, I want to try to have no preconceived ideas or judgments 
and to try to just only kind of take in what they're doing and respond honestly. And honestly, for me, the, the emotional and personality things that go along with making music with others, I think you have to practice those on the bandstand in the same way that you would sit at home and practice rudiments if you're a drummer or practice scales or practice chord inversions and playing harmony if you're a piano player. Um, I think you have to practice those things in real time. A good portion of the people who listen to this are artists themselves. And, you yes. know, with you being in a band for, you know, not decades, Hoodoo Soul Band, right? Yeah. I'm curious what kind of advice you can share about how you've cultivated strong band morale within Hoodoo and like what that takes. I, you know, Hoodoo is funny because if we had ever been really successful and made a lot of money, maybe we wouldn't still be together after, you know, you see this with bands a lot of time where over the years, if they make a ton of money, they can all afford to quit and leave. And being in a situation where we are all working musicians, I think the people that are still there, especially we've had to learn to work better with others and get along better with others. But anybody on a team anywhere, I think it's important I don't want to make it sound like you should not be assertive if you know what you're talking about and you have good ideas because a team needs that too. You know, if you have the solution, you need to present it and do it confidently. Um, but you also have to be open to the possibility of anybody having a good idea and you need to be open to the idea that you could be wrong no matter how smart you are, no matter how good you are at what you do. Um, it's kind of just like life, you know, it's just like life under a magnifying glass. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I think it's the same principles that apply to having a good marriage, having a good relationship with a parent or a child, having a good relationship with a friend. And all of those things are, are things I'm, I would say I'm still trying to figure out how to do better. Mm. You know, so when I go to work, it's kind of just a continuation of what I'm trying to learn in life. You know, even if you do a job that seems solo, somewhere you're interacting with other people. I'm a really big fan of Wayne Shorter and the Wayne Shorter Quartet. And I, I use those guys as an example because they are four of the most respected musicians in the world, but everywhere they go, everybody they interact with, they try and do this thing. My wife also talks about this. They try to lead with love and they try to leave somebody having a better day than they were having before they encountered them. Hmm. You know, my, that. my wife uh, always asks the question. She likes to point out that if you ask, what would love do? in any situation in your life, the answer is not wrong. And that doesn't mean to be, to ignore yourself and only think of others because love isn't just for others. It's for yourself as well. And it can be difficult in certain situations to know what that answer is, but if you can figure it out, that answer is never wrong. 
so Tony, jumping jumping a little bit to the side, I, yeah. I want to like look back at at your career, and you know, I'm curious what you would say in terms of success. You know, you, you think is most important when looking back, how you define success, and you know, in terms of fulfillment and what really matters. What would you say that is? Well, it's funny if you'd have asked me, like if I, if you could take six-year-old me when I started playing drums and show him my life right now I might not instantly understand that I've been successful um when I was a kid growing up if you could play an instrument and do it decently and you were in a good band you were gonna make records you were gonna tour and even if you weren't filthy rich you know you'd have what was then called a career um you know, the music business changed a lot over the years. And when I was younger, I was about, I don't know, just weeks away from moving to New York uh, when I found out that my oldest daughter was on the way. And at the time, I wasn't in a relationship with her mom, but it seemed important to me to stay here for that, which has been amazing. Uh, I don't know if you know, my oldest daughter is actually a fantastic singer and a great human being. And unlike a lot of young people, she doesn't sing like she's trying to win $100. She sings because the music means something to her. And she's interested in like the spiritual aspect of it and the, you know, the, the expression of the human condition. So that's great. But staying in Columbus, I found there are musicians here as great as anybody anywhere. I mean, you know, I get to play with Jeff Kayampa every week. We have Bobby Floyd. We have, you know, I get to play with John Elliott and Joey Hebdo and Phil Clark and all these amazing singers. And you can't find anybody that that's any better anywhere. I'm so spoiled. And the lights are on, there's food in the refrigerator. So I would have to say, you know, that I, I've been really lucky to be successful. You know, you, you brought up Wayne Shorter earlier. And, you yeah. know, I want to talk specifically about certain musicians approach to music. And yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about certain things you admire about your favorite artists, specifically with how they approach their music. We could not get through even a tenth of them because i i'm like the biggest music fan in the world aside from doing it for a job i i literally am the busy, biggest music fan in the world um let's start with duke ellington uh duke ellington and his composing partner billy strayhorn were not only the greatest greatest composers of the 20th century uh but they pumped out great music after great music after great music for, you know, Duke started in the 20s and wrote until he died uh, in 1973. And during that whole time, he just continued to work on his craft and was never slowed by external difficulties like the big band era dying and there not being enough money to keep an 18 piece band on the road, like those things that bothered him never got in the way of his writing. This will be a 
probably an odd jump to you, but country singer Merle Haggard, who was one of my very favorite artists of all time, had he had a really great voice and he wrote great songs. He had this way of taking you instantly to this place, like this crossroads between life and death, good and evil, you know, right and wrong, where like you have to question everything about your life and all the decisions that we make on a daily basis. Um, I love that about Merle Haggard. Um, Miles Davis was somebody who endlessly during his career did something and perfected it. And then even though he loved what he was doing, he would completely abandon it and start something new so that he had to grow. I think as an artist, that's about the most admirable thing you could possibly do. You know, to risk your income the, the following year, to risk your success and only follow the muse, even, even if you know that like the people who love you today are all gonna go. There's so much stuff I love. Um, I love D'Angelo. I love that D'Angelo has worked really hard to find a way to take R&B music and hip hop into new places, but it you always hear the tradition in it, yet it only sounds like him. And he really writes about serious issues and he's got something to say. I love bluegrass music though, for different reasons. That's because I grew up in a bluegrass family. Um, really my first exposure to live music was just being in my grandparents' living room while the whole family would play Bill Monroe songs, uh, you know, Flat and Scruggs songs, Carter family songs. There's so much great stuff out there. I can tell you the biggest common thread for me, yeah. though, is not only am I attracted to people who make what I think is cool music for the sake of it, but there's something else in it. There's this spirit of humanity in it or an empathy in it, uh, a care and concern for the human spirit. I'd love to hear you spitball about what whatever you think it might be that can cause for music to be such a healing thing for people. Man, I don't know. I, I honest to God, I couldn't define it. I don't think. Um, but I mean, we, you and I both know that music has this way of making, making you think about um, your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, your interactions with other people. It has this magic power to, to, to make us all think about those things. I mean, I suppose it can make you think about tomatoes or football too, but it doesn't tend to do that. You know, it tends to make you think about the human condition. You know, I don't know why it does, but I think that's, that's obviously why it's so special you know, still, after all these years, music is still 
so important to just billions of people. And I think that's why. So rhythm master, you know, you're, you're the, the drummer of Columbus and, you know, so it's only right. We talk about, you know, like rhythm specifically, it can feel like an hour long set passes in the blink of an eye. And, and yeah. I'm curious to hear you talk about rhythm specifically and what you think about rhythm can cause for such a profound effect. Everything we do is, is in rhythm and it starts with our heartbeat, right? You know, I, the very basis of us being alive starts right here and it's rhythmic and we breathe rhythmically. We walk rhythmically, we speak in rhythm, and it's, it's in the natural world all around us. Um, again, I can't tell you exactly why personally, but when we hear rhythms, you know, of course, stuff that appeals to us, not everybody likes everything. Um, it just connects with us in this emotional way that I, I can't tell you scientifically why it does, but we all know that it does. You can, like you talked about trance with certain music where like it's very repetitive and there's a beauty in having the exact same thing happen over and over and over and over. And you mentioned tension and release some music is more about constantly building tension and releasing it but even something that's repetitive for 15 or 20 minutes that builds up its own kind of tension even if it's like a really relaxing rhythm you i think something in our brains keeps waiting for something else to happen and when it doesn't the tension builds in here and in here but it still builds. And it might be that it's not released until the song is done, mm. but it's kind of all about tension and release through them, I think. Tony McClung, round of applause for you. Thank you for all that you do for the Columbus music scene. You know, I know that I, I myself and a number of my friends may not live in Columbus if it wasn't for every Sunday, the Hoodoo Soul Band and, you know, all the, all the other things we get to do as a music fan here. And, Really glad to have you on the show. Tony, thank you for taking these questions in stride. I'm so happy to do it. I've told you this personally, but I love what you're doing. You know, I've watched you grow this from ground zero to where you started a year or two later interviewing your heroes. And, you know, this year you, you have interviewed a couple of my big heroes. I think what you're doing is fantastic. I truly am grateful for the, all the inspiration that has come into my life from your music, Tony. I, I honestly feel the same way about everybody I get to play with and all the wonderful people in Columbus like yourself that support what we do. Well, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Just wanna let y'all know we've got these hand-dyed, ice-dyed Weird Music Podcast hoodies and also tees. If you'd like one, let us know. We'd love to get you one. Also want to give a big shout out to Voodoo Ranger from New Belgium Brewing for sponsoring this podcast. And a big thank you to the geniuses over at Thrax CBD for sponsoring us with their amazing products. Got also want to give a big thank you to J&J Distribution, Ohio's premier Delta 8 and CBD wholesale supplier. Retailers, check out their brands Cloud 8, Compassionate Buds, and Zaza. Also big thank you to our local print shop, Franklinton Press. Definitely hit them up for any of your custom merch or custom printing needs. They'll take good care of you. 
Got links in the description. And yeah, much love, y'all. Now back to the episode. So here we are with Columbus's own Jeff Kayampa. So for everyone out there listening, Jeff here is one of the leaders of the Hoodoo Soul Band, who has been playing every Sunday pretty much in Columbus for like over 25 years. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's around 27 now. Well, anyways, Jeff, thanks for joining me here. I, I mm-hmm. think a cool way to break this off would be um, just like talking about the Columbus music scene and kind of how you would describe it to maybe a friend from out of town. Well, um, that's a, believe it or not, that's kind of a hard question. Um, I live in my bubble, you know, um, so the Columbus music scene has really grown a lot over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so when i was young and i was trying to um you know do all original music trying to get a record deal all that um columbus was one thing now it's you know it's evolved but i guess um well first of all i have to say it's it has some of the most talented players i think per capita um of any place i've been and i've and i've been uh that theory is reinforced by musicians who come through town all the time um there are just some world world class players who for different reasons have chosen to live here stay here or move here to me that's the core of what the music scene is is obviously the players but maybe more important is and this is i think been since since i started off here um when i got here in the 80s i grew up in pennsylvania but i've been here virtually all my life all my professional life uh is the the fans and the 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 music music lovers they've always really supported music and uh that's that's something that i think um is maybe not unique but it's a it's a big a big part of the scene and with um the hoodoo soul band as the prime example i mean a band that's been able to survive for over 25 years playing on an off night for all that time and still having great, great crowds every week. I mean, that's a, you know, that doesn't happen in every town. It doesn't happen in every big town, you know? I would be curious to hear from like the nineties until now. Yeah. How, how the scene, how live music in Columbus itself you think has, has evolved, has changed. Maybe it hasn't. I'm curious. Yeah, I think in one of the things that Columbus has always been, um, it's been a challenge for me because the garage and the and the punk scene in Columbus has always been really strong. And I think I think a lot of the impression of um, outsiders is that that's what Columbus is. I I don't know that for sure, but. Um, reading press over the years like in the 90s when i i had a band that actually we did get a record deal and was really popular at the time it was called zero one and uh but we were kind of we were too slick for the columbus scene we're you know it was really it was music influenced by <clears throat> people like peter gabriel and sting and um and it was coming out of the 80s so there was that 80s slickness to it and uh and we always we had a great following but um but critics and the and the underground scene didn't embrace us and i'm not saying this is a bad thing at all um but i think it it's just it's it's one of the things that i've struggled with over my years as 
you work hard to become um, good at your craft and and you are embraced by certain people, but there's a huge scene in Columbus that I think doesn't really doesn't really dig what you know where I come from and where my a lot of my com, um, compatriots come from. You know, there's a really healthy scene. Um, and there's more bands that there are definitely more bands than there's ever been um, in Columbus. Hmm. There's a lot of great uh, bands that are doing stuff that I love too, and you know a lot of younger cats doing funk and uh you know more uh improvi improvising and things like that that i really respect so yeah mm. so i don't know hoodoo soul band playing 25 years every week i'm curious like what advice you might be able to share with up-and-coming musicians about being a good bandmate and longevity and what what's involved with that well that's man <laughs> what's involved with that why is hoodoo still together and it's really we've had we have five core members from the beginning i mean i think it's mutual respect for sure i think a lot of problems arise in bands where people get um there's ego problems where one one person is trying to you know probably out of insecurity trying to prove themselves to be something that they may or may not be, you know, and in Hoodoo, Pop Gun is another band that we've only been together for about six or seven years, but another band that is just the camaraderie is just stellar. And, and every band, every member in the band is just so good. And uh, I don't know if I can speak to, I mean, I think part of it is just luck, you know, and part of it is just right time, right place, right people and the chemistry works and i don't think that always works and i don't think it's always that easy i know some just incredible musicians that aren't that fun to play with because it's it's hard to get along with them they're showboating they're taking 20 minute solos or what you know it's um so part of it is just chemistry that you don't have any control of, over but i guess it like going back to your original question, like if there's, if I'm to advise somebody, I would say, you know, try to, um, to check your ego and to, and to, um, you know, treat people on stage and musically the same you would like a friend. Um, so you're always listening. Like if you're having a conversation with somebody, if you're just talking all the time, it's not, it's not a very pleasant situation for the other person you know um in music you have to be listening all the time or i mean or it's just not effective it's not enjoyable it's not a good experience and um so on stage and off stage listening is probably the biggest thing and check your ego and try to respect the other you know the other people in your band jeff i would love to hear you talk about like the bass specifically and yeah what you think maybe the majority of bass players in the world in other genres, up and coming bass players that maybe from your perspective, they not, they may not fully understand when it comes to playing the bass in its highest form. Mm -hmm. Well, um, once again, that's a huge question. Um, I could go on for probably hours uh, 
answering that but um i think that to me obviously the base is is the the fundamental bedrock of any band it's you know it's kind of it's uh it it's bas it's basically um playing the groove setting up the groove along with the drummer but it also and probably what a lot of people don't understand is the bass is actually determining the quality of chords so for example if the band is playing a um a c minor chord it's like okay this song is in the key of c minor and i'm hitting a c minor and everybody's playing chord notes chord tones that fit with that i can go down and play an a flat while they're playing those notes and it changes the key it changes the entire mood um of the song just by that one note so i can fundamentally change <laughs> what's happening harmonically just by putting that bottom note someplace else it's a note that still fits with the chord but it changes completely and that's happening like constantly you know sometimes it's super briefly sometimes it's just a passing note or whatever or sometimes it's just changing i'm just going to say fuck it i'm i'm going to i'm going to change this to a minor sounding chord as opposed to major and everybody else but what they're doing is affected by what i do so bass has a lot of power <laughs> um in both rhythmically um you know, groove wise and harmonically it's it's really easy to get um off off of your uh, uh your role and but basically playing too many notes playing too busy uh or choosing you know there's always a time and a place to be playing crazy fills or or doing like i said just saying okay we're going here guys um um you have to be careful you have to be judicious about you know when you do these things when um so i mean a, ba a bass player's role is still i think fundamentally is just to lock it down that's the first thing they're supposed to do and and i think in any really in any kind of music whether it's pop rock jazz funk you know jam bands what have you it's um your the bass player i i you know i think of groove as being maybe even more than anything note choice is being second maybe but groove is probably the most important thing and choosing your moments you know um but really playing for the music and playing for the song and like i said earlier listening to what everybody else is doing and trying to figure out how can i add to that conversation and not be you know not be a prima donna well jeff starting to wrap up here thank you so much for for joining Good. me here my pleasure thank you for having me definitely uh, it makes living in columbus much better having you here too ah thank you i appreciate that man so yeah. wrapping up i got one final question for you talking about the groove what do you think it is about about rhythm that can lead to such profound experiences uh i i dancing and whether it's like complete all-out dancing or whether it's just you're just sitting there tapping your foot i think everybody it's some kind of primordial thing there's a famous snl um skit which i can't remember 
even who's on it, but it's like dancing through the, I think Justin Timberlake was on it actually dancing from the beginning of time, you know, and it's hilarious, but, but it's true. I mean, dancing probably has been with us and, and drumming um, since, you know, uh, for millions of years. And I think it's just, it's in our DNA probably. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It makes you, it makes you feel good most of the time or makes you feel something. Well, definitely does a Sunday nights at Roomba Cafe. Heck yeah. yeah Jeff Kayapa, church. church, my man. Yeah. Thank you for uh, leading <laughs> the congregation you. out there. Thanks, Cam. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. So here we are with John Elliott, singer of Doc Robinson and Columbus's own Hoodoo Soul Band. John, so glad to have you on here. So, man, to start this off, um, a good portion of the people listening to this are artists themselves. And I think it'd be cool to hear just kind of advice you could give someone about stage fright, about what it's like for you to kind of be, you know, vulnerable enough to feel like you can be yourself on stage. Yeah. Um, being comfortable with the people you're playing with has a lot to do with it. Um, I think when you are able to feel comfortable around the unit that is making the music, whether, whether you're on stage with just a DJ or a, just, you know, one other person, let alone a six piece band, I think just being able to feel comfortable in that regard, um, just in general goes a long way. Now, if you're a solo artist, I just, um, you know, you're already putting yourself out there and, um, Pressure is a privilege is something that I've always felt is something that I always come back to right before I get on stage, you know, just like the feeling of like having to having to perform for an audience uh, that paid to come see you play is a privilege, right? So um, the preparation, knowing that in advance and putting in the preparation of getting your unit well oiled, you know, the band that you have or the just the stage uh set up the tracks that you have everything everything put together the most professional way you can um and just you know not looking at it as pressure in a sense of just like looking at it as um you know you have you have a responsibility on stage to perform for the people that have paid to come see you play that you know it's music that you've poured your blood, sweat and tears into, or, or even if it's not just, just knowing that you're doing something being on stage that a lot of people wish they could do. Um, and like knowing just how like lucky you are to be on stage and uh, expressing yourself, whether, whatever you're doing, dancing, singing, juggling, you know, anything just being on stage and performing and being able to have people enjoy what you do is a privilege. Mm. Preparation is, you know, is key. Zooming out. I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about like what's most important to you with, with how you define success for yourself as an artist. I mean, that's all in milestones, right? Um, just even knowing that you <laughs> zooming out just knowing that you uh you paid some of your biggest bills this month on a couple different gigs or um just like doing personal human shit you know that's that's a pretty good tier one or rung one or whatever uh you know it 
you sell out a big venue and you realize people are there to see you play, regardless of what you made, what your expenses were, how much you paid your band, all the different things. There is like, there's a fulfillment in your body just knowing that you filled a big cat venue of full human beings that gave a shit. And, you know, there's, there's so many mediums of art that just having somebody reach out to you on an email from a different country because of Spotify playlist or some shit that says, this is what your music's meant to me. And this is what it's done for me. Like that's success. Like, mm. I mean, yes, there is a way of measuring in your life, certain ways of what success is, but like, just knowing that you're appealing to people and not just appealing to them, but like helping them, uh, that is success, you know? I want, I want to talk to you about like, in your totally subjective opinion, uh, the difference between artists who, who are great and then some of the artists you think are just legendary, the best of all time, and like what you kind of think some of the key differences are and then commonalities between, you know, some of those people in that top tier. Yeah. Um, the top tier, like um, there's ones that like, you know, burnt out and fade away that you hold up on a pedestal forever and you wonder what if I, you know, the, the Paul Simons and the Stevie wonders, Paul McCartney's, you know, and numerous, uh, you know, other artists that made it happen for five, six decades. Yeah. The, like the word reverence is interesting. Cause you're just kind of like how, how the hell they were able to pull that off and continue to build and write. And, you know, you realize that it's an obsession for those people to just continue to do it and want to write. And like, that, that's what they do They're That's what keeps their engine going. But at the same time, for our, from our perspective, you're just like, how, how does one person want to keep doing that? You know, with all that success, I guess. Um, I think that the top tier for me, um, you could just tell that they, a from the stories you, you read and the things that you gather um, always had it were born into it or not, or they were like born into a situation that obviously they were um, destined for something. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a formula, just even thinking about what the Beatles did in such a short amount of time. I don't know. Did you read outliers? Like, just thinking about what it means, like all the different things that have to combine to make some of these bands and these acts be able to have to happen. You know, uh, I just, I like to think about it as like mystical and like folklore and like it had to happen that way. And like mm. stars aligned and all the retrograde was all in, in, in motion and the hippie woo woo stuff about it. I, I like thinking about it as, as legend. Cause I think, you know, legend is as important as truth. I like storytelling and I like the people around me that I've, that I've gravitated to in my life. Like to like to talk, I like to talk. Um, but I just, I know, I think that there's, there's so much about like, you know, if we're taking the Columbus music scene and we're taking like the Hoodoo Soul Band or something like that in an account. There's stories that you hear over the years. There's stories you witness and retell. And there's just like the way that you describe certain situations. And uh, it's like before I came into this circle, I heard legends and I heard stories 
and it was intriguing and it was beautiful and I wanted to be a part of it. And when I once, you know, once I was going to see them weekly with my buddies and it became part of our ritualistic, you know, pattern in Columbus, we saw the way, we, you know, uh, we had heard other people describe it. And uh, we would describe that same kind of feel to other people. You just kind of, you just, did the old New Orleans fluff to it, you know, like the, it's the most magical shit you'll ever see. And it's the best shit on Sunday for the rest, for the rest of your time here in Columbus, or, you know, just the way that you explain it, the way that you highlight it. What would you say is the most important, like sticking points when it comes to having good band morale and just like good group chemistry? With, just in general with people, you realize you can actually put up with a lot uh, of things that you don't necessarily vibe with, but like, you know, it, when you're, when you're traveling, it's, a, it's different, you know, um, being in, being in local situations where you're just playing a, a bunch of different gigs, there's a lot you can put up with and kind of manage, uh, traveling just adds a completely different element to it. Um, but you know, communication is very important, obviously, being able to say what you feel and not feel restricted or, um, you know, without even using the word passive aggressive, like some people just can't deal with a confrontation with somebody that they don't know because they've never gotten into any shit with, you know, um, the more you travel, the more you go through things with people, you realize that like you have to learn to communicate and you're forced into it. So I do think the longevity of things and, and having more experiences, allowing yourself more experiences with the same group of people, uh, A, shows you if it's the right group or not, which is, you know, the whole battle. And then if you're able to make it happen, it's just like, it's just a matter of being able to uh, be yourself, which it's easy for me to say, I've been blessed. I've had a lot of great bandmates and try not to take that for granted that I'm just, I've I know my own shortcomings and and just being able to see how much the other people around me care about not just the music and the business side of things but like the human element like sometimes that's what that's what keeps it going and um yeah i mean the the perfect dynamic of a band is just being able to talk because the more the more different personalities you can you get like sometimes the better the product and like like the even when it comes to just musical taste not even just personalities um and if you're able to communicate and actually find compromises sometimes that's like that's where the magic happens branching off of that i'd love to hear you talk about like what you would say the personality traits you you admire most about the people you play with um i mean i like I like somebody who's like not afraid to speak their mind as much as I like the person who carefully chooses exactly what they say. There's a time and a place for both people, just as much as there's a time and a place for somebody who says yes immediately or somebody who waits to say yes until they've considered all the different reasons why you should say no. Uh, balance is like super necessary. Speaking of like, um, like drummers, right? drummers don't give a shit about shit unless it's shit they really give a shit about the drummers that i know the ones that i get to work with 
like pretty much my whole career, whether or not all of the standards of their entire everything are the same, it's like they they do hold everyone else to a high standard. They're like, you know, they um I'm I'm very appreciative of the drummers that I've gotten to work with, whether it be Aaron Bashara, Tony McClung, like uh Tom Lasky, uh Chris Guthrie, like, you know, just certain guys that have that I've gotten to play a ton of gigs with dudes that really like whether they're all as vocal as each other they really do you just feel the standard you're being held to and that goes a long way you know hmm. uh guitar players are crazy and they all are wild cards in their own way but like you should definitely always kind of listen to their intuition um when it comes to space and and certain things like that um, I think everyone should be willing to use the studio as a different tool, as the studio as like a different bandmate. I think just like anyone who is just willing to uh, go down an avenue just to just to see it, just to hear what it sounds like, um, that kind of open mindedness means a lot to me. I think it'd be cool to hear you explain kind of the nuance between like letting go and not forcing it, and then having like fullness and power with you know your singing yeah i think that repetition is key and um being able to put yourself in situations where you have the the ability to grow with whether it be just a song or with a band or with whatever um with the with the floorwalker band um you know we we played 140 wednesdays at a, at a bar and really allowed our songs to grow and allowed me to kind of grow with the song, grow with the band, grow as a performer. Um, I grew up performing, but you know, on, on stage, I did a lot of theater. My mom was a theater director and all the things under the musical umbrella. So I was, I was on stage a lot. And I think it goes down to, you know, experience in any realm is important and just the the things that i've gathered over the years and goes back to that pressure is a privilege thing if you feel like you're on stage and you've got a responsibility to entertain somebody you're gonna you're gonna put in extra effort to make sure that you are ready to 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 do your craft right um i think that the when it comes to nuance and when it comes to like feeling comfortable I just be, being around other great musicians, other people that understand what is at stake and what uh, other uh, musicians that understand what you're trying to do that goes a long way. Because I mean, even if you're not prepared, just trusting your, your musicians that you'll get through it goes a long way. Um, and I get to play with so many musicians that are career rhythm sections. you talk about Tony and Jeff, they played together for, you know, 30, 40 years. And that's a communication where uh, my friend Matt Page put it really good one time about I was sitting in with, you know, Bobby Floyd. And he said, uh, you're going to feel swaddled like a musical baby. And I feel like that's like explained my career in Columbus is I get to be swaddled like a musical baby. Um, there's so many musicians that understand what 
I'm going through because they've probably done a, enough gigs singing as what you know what are doing doing what I do enough to understand what they what I need to be comfortable um, or they've worked with every shape and model of vocalist and um, it's just about being prepared and being comfortable and you know when it comes down to musical influence and like you know the nuance of things and feeling original and confident um that's you know just write as write as many different arrangements as you can or sing to as many different kinds of styles and all that thing all those um you know the book of standards everything until you feel like you can just sing a damn song you know Final question for you here. If there's, you know, any other advice you can give someone who's just very broadly an artist of any kind, what what would you say is kind of like you think the main principles of of being an artist and what that means and like how to do that successfully? Uh if you're a writer, you know, read. If you're a musician, like listen. You know, like the whole absorption thing uh, uh, is so important. Like the osmosis of the whole process is is so important. Like I I firmly believe it, and that's not everyone's process is different. But like if you're not taking things in enough, if you're if you're the kind of person who's like I only listen to my own music all the time, it's like well that's fine because you're in the grind all the time. But that's not like that's um that's not helping you grow in a in a certain sense i mean this is just me talking but like i do really i do really find that like i write the most when i when i'm like you know just reading all these different kinds of texts and um whether it be prose or just any kind of literature or whatever just combinations of words and phrases and certain things that spark something um you know, the more the more I listen to anything, whether it be pop music or world music or whatever, it gives it sparks ideas. And it's just I think I think being a sponge as much as you're a paintbrush is is mm. is kind of you just finding finding the balance, making sure that you're still feeding your imagination with new shit. Mm. John Elliott, thank you so much, man. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, dude.